Well, we are in our last Sunday in the book of Habakkuk. You can turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. It's a short series through this powerful book. And I just want to begin this morning's message by reviewing what we've seen so far in the book. Just, just uh, every, every week we have, we have finished a sentence a different way. And the sentence is, when our understanding of God conflicts with our experience of God, we must do this. And, and here's the message of Habakkuk that we've learned. When our understanding of God, who, who God says he is in his word, what, what, what we know about God, when that conflicts with our experience of him, with what he's doing in our world, with what he's doing in our lives, what should we do? What we've seen is this. First, we need to pray with utter honesty. We need to pray with utter honesty. Habakkuk was a prophet in the land of Judah under a wicked king, and he was praying for God to deliver his righteous people, faithful people from this wicked king, and the Lord was not answering his prayer. The Lord was not responding. What we see in the first chapter of Habakkuk is Habakkuk praying with honesty about this to the Lord. We saw in chapter 1, he says, How long, Lord, do I need to cry for help before you hear? Why, Why do you sit idly by? You're righteous, you're holy, you're just, you're sovereign. Why aren't you intervening? Habakkuk came to the Lord with complete, utter honesty. He poured out his heart to the Lord. And this is where the progress of God's work in his heart began. It began when Habakkuk was willing to come before the Lord and pour out his heart and make his heart known and be utterly honest before him. This this is where we must begin when we feel the tension between our understanding of God and our experience of God. We must pray with complete utter honesty to him. After we've prayed, we saw that we must wait in the word. We must wait in the word. We saw this in chapter 2, verse 1, that Habakkuk said, I will take my stand at my watch post, station myself on the tower, and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So he's prayed, he's made his complaint known, he has poured out his heart to the Lord, and then he says, and now I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to stand, and I'm going to wait for God to speak to me. I'm going to wait for God to answer. As a prophet, he was waiting for new revelation from the Lord, which he did receive. Today, we don't wait for new revelation. We wait in the revelation of God. We wait in the Word. And and, and these two first points are are so important for us as we wrestle with with this tension we feel in a sin-broken world. We must pray with honesty, and then we must open our Bibles. We must pour out our hearts, and we must open up the word and pour over the revelation God has given. This is where God's work begins in our hearts. What God's word calls us to do, the third thing we saw, is to place our faith in Christ. The Lord gives Habakkuk a a short, simple, powerful vision. He says that the righteous shall live by his faith. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of this tension you feel, Habakkuk, know this, that the righteous shall live by his faith. Those who place their faith in me, those who place their faith in my revelation, as we know now, those who place their faith in Christ and what he's done, who he is, that he's coming again, those who believe in him will be declared righteous and will live by that faith. And so we must place our faith in Christ freshly in these times. We must go back to the cross and look at the cross and place our faith solely in Jesus as our hope. And then last week we saw we must keep perspective. We must keep a right perspective. Suffering tends to give us tunnel vision, confusion, depression, uh, being unsure of what, what to do. These things, these, these things make us shrink in our worldview so that we only see ourselves and our situation and what's right in front of us. And the Lord says, keep perspective. You need to know that this world, 
This, this life that you're living is, is going to be marked by this tension. That the present belongs to the proud is what we saw last week in verse 5. That, that, that this world is going to be marked by the proud prospering, the, the saints suffering. But one day, he says, judgment is coming. So keep perspective of the future. Judgment is coming. Jesus is going to come and judge the wicked in the world. And the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And then finally, keep perspective of the Lord himself. He's in his holy temple. The Lord is in his holy temple. He reigns in holiness. He reigns in righteousness. He sees, he hears, and we know that he sees and he hears, and he, he reigns with the scars of his own suffering because Jesus came and he died for us and he rose again. And so we remember these things. We remember that he's in his holy temple, that judgment is coming, but right now life will be filled with this tension. The, the, the tension's not going away. The tension of our understanding and our experience is not going to resolve itself now. And, and so this is the message we've seen so far in Habakkuk. Four things. Pray with honesty. Wait in the word. Place our faith in Christ. Keep perspective. It's, it's, it's been a wonderful book for, to, to equip us to deal with questions, to equip us to deal with conflict, to equip us to deal with suffering. But we have one more chapter this morning, maybe the richest chapter of the book, one of the richest chapters of Scripture, Habakkuk chapter 3, and it's going to add one more thing to this list. Here's the main idea of this morning's message. When our understanding of God conflicts with our experience of God, we must sing songs of faith with the people of God. We must sing songs of faith with the people of God. I was thinking before I actually opened up Habakkuk 3 this week how it's been a very personal book. It's been a very individual book. A prophet and the Lord dialoguing back and forth and so much of scripture is about the people of God, and I was just thinking, you know, it seems like Habakkuk doesn't really talk to us as a body. And then I studied Habakkuk 3 and realized, no, this is all about the people of God and our need for each other in these times. We must sing songs of faith with the people of God. Let's look at Habakkuk 3 from just a, a, a wider angle here this morning. Uh, look, look at Habakkuk 3, verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigiana. I want to tell you, I don't know what Shigianath means, and no one really does, all right? But we know that's a musical term. We know that it's, it's used in the Psalms at different times to describe, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a musical note for a psalm. And so this is a prayer, but it's more than just a prayer, it's, it's a psalm. We see throughout the psalm, looking in your margins, you might see that word, Selah, 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 over and over again, we see that. It's, it's a musical notation. Then look at the end of the chapter, the very end of the, of the book, verse 19, to the choir master with stringed instruments. All right, these are all musical notes, right? We see that. So Habakkuk 3, this tells us something. Habakkuk 3 is not Habakkuk's spontaneous personal response to the Lord. This is, this is, this is not just Habakkuk's immediate uh, prayer back to what God has said. No, Habakkuk 3 is this intentionally constructed song of faith for God's people to sing together to the Lord. That's what Habakkuk did after he received this vision, after he received this revelation. He said to himself, I need to write a song. I need to write a song for God's people to sing as we endure what is coming. For God's people to sing together with stringed instruments when we gather for worship as we, as we seek to live by faith. 
You know, it's interesting, often in difficult seasons, Christians tend to put the church at arm's length. You know, when you're going through sorrow, when you're going through suffering, going through confusion, if, if you're going through something hard, often, often you say, I'm, gonna ta- I'm just going to take this Sunday off. We, we just need, it's just it's been a hard week. Maybe multiple Sundays. You just you keep the church at arm's length. Yet as Habakkuk saw the difficulties that were coming for the righteous in Judah, he realized that what they would need was a song of faith to sing together. As a prophet of Israel, he wanted to, he wanted to equip God's people to persevere through the sufferings. We need to not underestimate God's gift of song. Why do we sing? Why is the biggest book of the Bible a book of songs? Why does the church spend so much time singing together? Because this is God's gift to us. Listen, one of the ways the righteous will persevere in faith is by singing songs of faith with the people of God. The call of the book of Habakkuk really is the righteous shall live by faith. Live by faith. Place your faith in Christ and continue in that faith. How will that happen? One way, one significant way that will happen in your life is by gathering with the people of God to sing songs of faith. We must not underestimate what's happening when we gather together. You know, during the shutdown, I think many of you will agree with this, what, what I missed the most was, was not having people in front of me to preach to or for you, to have people around you as you listen to the sermons. It was not, it was not be able to talk to each other. I could, still, I could still talk to you on the phone. I could still see you, even FaceTime. I, those things were not what I missed the most. What I missed the most was singing with the people of God. Hearing voices around me, raising up cries of faith to the Lord, of rejoicing and of confidence and of supplication and of reverence, that is what our souls need to persevere by faith. We need, we need the encouragement and admonition and strengthening that comes by singing together. We must not underestimate this gift. This is, we're already in application. We're not even gotten in the, into the text yet, but an application this morning, a big application is that when difficult seasons come into your life, commit now to gather and sing with God's people then. Commit yourself now that that's going to be part of how I process that time. I'm going to gather with God's people and I'm going to sing songs of faith with them. I want to be very uh, clear here. It's not just any song will do. Songs of faith. Now, uh, I went to a church in high school that, believe it or not, we, we sang the Beatles. We sang Coldplay. And we, we sang Christian songs, too. But uh, they, they weren't songs of faith, for the most part. They, they, were, they were fun songs. They were encouraged, but they weren't songs of faith. And not, not any song will do. And so we need Habakkuk 3 this morning, because Habakkuk 3 shows us what a song of faith looks like. Habakkuk 3 tells us, well, the righteous will live by faith. Well, what, what does that faith look like? What, what, what does that faith entail? How should that faith take shape in our psalms? And so this morning we're going to read Habakkuk 3. This whole, we're going to read the whole psalm. And then we're going to look at five characteristics of this psalm of faith that Habakkuk gives to God's people to sing. So let's read Habakkuk 3, starting in verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to Shigianoth. O Lord... I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timon and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. 
Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging rivers swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your mighty horses in the surging of mighty waters. I hear my body trembles and my lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. Five characteristics of faith in this song that Habakkuk gives. First, it is a song of reverence. It's a song of reverence. Look at verse 2. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. This is where Habakkuk's song begins, by Habakkuk stating his fear of the Lord, and stating specifically his fear of the Lord's work. He says, your work, O Lord, do I fear. We're going to see shortly that this work he refers to is the work of the Exodus. This, this psalm looks back on the Exodus. We're going to see exactly how Habakkuk does that. But he says, your work, O Lord, do I fear. And the question I want to ask here is this. Where does Habakkuk's fear come from? Where does his reverence for the Lord come from? And look at what he says. O Lord, I've heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. Hearing of the Lord leads to fearing the Lord. That's, that's the principle we see there, that Habakkuk hears the report of the Lord and he fears the Lord. He fears his work. And this is what we learn in this song of reverence, is that true songs of faith are characterized by this deep reverence for the Lord. This is, this is one quality of the faith that the righteous live by. It's a, a faith has reverence for God. Faith, faith esteems God. Faith fears the Lord. And true songs of faith are characterized by this reverence for him. And so when we come together to sing songs of faith, we need to sing songs filled with reverence for the Lord. We need to, we need to come with hearts that are fearing him, hearts that are in awe of him, hearts that are, are, are being still and knowing who he is. But the thing is, reverence is not like a light switch in our hearts, right? We can't just turn on reverence in the morning, turn it off at night. 
how do we cultivate this reverence for the Lord? How, 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 do, we, how do we get to this point of, of fearing Him, of coming to worship Him in fear and reverence and awe? Well, it's by hearing. It's by hearing the report of Him. It's by, it's by listening to Him. It's by remembering what He's done. So we, we hear the report of Him. And so, just, just simply, just a few things that we need to do. Just, this is practical this morning. As, as we seek to be a church that cultivates songs of reverence that will, that will help us as we move forward in faith in this life. First, here's some things we need to do. We need to pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Hallowed be your name. Why did Jesus teach us to pray that way? Hallowed be your name. I think, I think it's because first and foremost, we need that in our hearts. We need to say to the Lord, Lord, help me to reverence your name. Help me to see your name as holy, to see your name as separate, to see your name as high. And, and how often do you pray that way? How often do you ask God, Lord, help me to hallow your name rightly. Help me to reverence you. So, so, so we pray that way, as Jesus taught us to pray. And then we listen to the word we hear. We, we open our Bibles. We read them. We discuss them together. We listen to sermons. We, we are constantly hearing the word. The word is central to all of our worship, whether it's personal or family or corporate, or just as you go, we're always hearing the word. We're saying, hallowed be your name, and then opening our word and letting that, and hearing what he's done, and then we just we meditate, and we are still, and we know that he's God. We think about the report until we say, like Habakkuk, in your work, O Lord, do I fear. You know, something about this, I've been wrestling through this sermon this week, and, and, and really, what, what are the applications about? Is this, is this how we sing together, or, or is this how how we live on our own. And, and what I want us to see as we go through these applications, these points, is that, is that these two things reinforce each other. You see, see when, I, when I come to church and I've not been reverencing the Lord in my heart, that affects my reverence in worship, doesn't it? It, could, it, it affects my ability to, to truly fear Him. But when I come prepared, I come praying, I come in His Word, I come ready knowing that we're about to enter into the presence of God, the Holy One, and we sing that way together you know what that is? It strengthens me. It strengthens others. So that then when we leave, we're more ready to reverence him. There's, there's a rhythm to corporate worship. There's a rhythm to these songs of faith that helps us in our lives. And so the application is just to reverence the Lord, but, but, to, but to cultivate that reverence, to cultivate it through your own personal times of hearing him and praying to him and then gathering and cultivating it together as we sing to him. What I want to do this morning, and every one of these points is actually sing together during the sermon because I think this is the application for us, is that we would sing these songs of faith. And so one of the songs of reverence that the Lord has given us is holy, holy, holy. I just want to sing this together, church, so that we could reverence the Lord this morning. Reverence His name, fear His name. Let's just think about these lyrics as we sing together. Sing with me. Holy, 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 Though the darkness hide thee, Though the eye of sinful man Thy glory may not see, Only thou art holy, There is none beside thee. Perfect in power, in love and purity. 
song of reverence to the Lord in times like these. Second, we sing a song of request. Second part of verse 2, he says, in the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So Habakkuk has made many requests in this book, and he's not done yet. As he, as he writes this song of faith, he includes this request of the Lord. What does he pray for here? He says, in the midst of the years, uses that phrase twice, what does that, what does that mean? And it seems like he's envisioning the time between what God has said is going to happen, the judgment that's going to come to Judah, Babylon's going to come and judge Judah, but then the, the time later when Babylon will be judged. In the midst of the years, seems to be a way where he's referring to the time between those two judgments. The time between when, when we, your people, are judged and those who invade us will be judged. In the midst of the years, Lord, he says, revive it. Revive it. Make it known. And again, what does is, what is it refer to? It's referring to the work of the Lord, which again, was, is, he's referring to the Exodus. He's referring to the salvation of God in the Exodus. And so what, what Habakkuk's praying for here, here's his, his request, is, is after this judgment comes, and in, in that period of time before you bring that judgment on Babylon, in, in that time, Lord, do it again. Do Save us again. He's, he's praying for another exodus. We're going to see, see soon how he talks about the exodus. He's, he's praying for God to deliver his people from Babylon in the same way he delivered them from Egypt. He's praying for God to revive his work, to make known his salvation. Then he says, in wrath, remember mercy. He understands that this judgment that's coming is the wrath of God, the righteous judgment of God against the sins of the nation of Judah but he also appeals to the merciful character of the Lord. He appeals to the covenant of God, the God who revealed himself as, as gracious and merciful, abounding in love and, think, and, and faithfulness. And, and he says, in wrath, in, in, as we experience this judgment, Lord, remember mercy. Show mercy. Bring us back, just like you did in the Exodus. That's his request. That's the request he gives to Judah to sing. And true songs of faith are characterized by these believing requests of the Lord. Church, we also are in a different way in the midst of the years. We are. We, we live between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. We are in this intervening time. And, and in this time, we suffer. In this time, the, the world is still broken by sin. In this time, the devil is still working. We, 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 we suffer and and in, it's in this time that we need to take this prayer and we need to make it our own and plead. As we gather, we need to plead to the Lord for mercy, plead to the Lord for salvation, plead to the Lord to do it yet again, to, to continue to be merciful to us as we know he has in the past. We look back at what he's done in Christ and we ask him, do it again, Lord. 
we look at the covenant character of God, we look at his grace and his mercy and his love, and we appeal to him based on who he is. We, we, we as believers in this world, we make requests of God. This is, this is part of faith. Faith is coming to the Lord with believing requests based on his mercy. And so we pray things like, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, that, that, that's, that's a request of faith to the Lord in the midst of the years. It's a, it's a request for mercy. Give us daily bread. Give us what we need. Provide for us, Lord. Forgive our sins. Show us mercy. Let us know your forgiveness. Let us know your presence. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from trials. Deliver us from temptations. Deliver us from suffering, Lord. These are the requests we make. We, we are a people who come needy. We're people who come to worship needing God's mercy, needing God's help, needing God's grace. And as we, as we make those requests known together, it's a cry of faith to him. And Habakkuk wants the people to pray these cries of faith. He, he says, continue to ask the Lord for mercy. Continue to appeal to him for help. You know, one of the songs that we can sing to appeal to him for help is, I need thee every hour. Sing this together. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. These are the songs we sing when we come together. As we live in this broken world by faith. We come and we say, God, we need You. We need Your mercy. We need Your help. We need You to, to act in Your covenant faithfulness to us. And we make our requests known to Him in faith. We reverence Him. We request of him for his help and his grace. And then the bulk of this psalm, we remember. It is a psalm of remembrance. A psalm of remembrance. Verses 3 through 15, the majority of this psalm is devoted to remembering the Exodus. Devoted to remembering what God has done. Here we see the report that he's heard, the work that he fears. The work that he prays for God to do once again. He's remembering the Exodus. And we can break it up into two sections. Verses 3 through 7 and 8 through 15. Verses 3 through 7 depict the coming of the Lord in the Exodus. Let's look at this. God came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran. And here we begin to see that this, this, this portion of the psalm is it's, it's referring to the Exodus in, in highly poetic ways. And so we're going we're to see the ways that he's constantly alluding to that story, but seeing God's glory on display in it. And here he's, he's depicting God as one who came from the wilderness regions, he, where, where Israel came from originally, where, where God called Abraham from, where, where they were delivered to after the Exodus. God came from these wilderness regions. And then he says, His splendor covered the heavens. The earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand. There he he veiled his power. And so he describes God as coming to his enslaved people in glory, in brilliance, in a light. Verse 5, before him went pestilence, plague followed at his heels. So we think about the plagues that were done in Egypt. And he's, he's, he's saying, God, you came with, with judgment. You came with pestilence. You came with plague. Verse 6, he stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. 
The eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. So God is, God is judging the earth. He's judging creation. He's judging the nations as he comes. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. God comes in power and might and judgment and glory to his people. He's, he's just envisioning God coming to his people in the Exodus. And the effect is that he's, he's showing us, he's reminding us, he's remembering, remember the glorious warrior judge who is the Lord. Remember that he came to you. He came with power. He came with authority. He came with glory. He came with judgment. And he, so he depicts the coming of God in the Exodus. And then verses 8 through 15 depicts the conquest of God. The conquest of the Lord. He says, Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers? Or your indignation against the sea? Well, what's he, what's he speaking about here? What we see is, is he's going to begin to allude to these events in the Exodus story. He says, You rode on your horses on their chariot of salvation. You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and ride. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hand on high. The sun and moon stood still. So what's, what's he saying? Think about what he's saying. He's talking about the mountains, the waters, the sun and the moon. This recalls the Red Sea. This recalls Mount Sinai. This recalls the Jordan River. This recalls the Battle of Jericho where the sun stood still. He's referring back to these things and saying, God, God, this was you fighting. This was you judging. This was you making known your power. And he says, why? He says, was your wrath against the rivers? Were you angry with the sea? Were you, were you judging Mount Sinai? No, no, he's, verse 13, he tells us, you went out, you did these things for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked. The Lord was doing these things in the Exodus. Why? For the salvation of his people. God came in glory, he came in judgment, he came in power, and he, he did these mighty works to save his people to save his covenant people whom he had called. And even more specifically, look what he says, to, to, to save your anointed and to crush the head of the wicked. These are, these are two strong allusions here. One, to the covenant with David. Who is the anointed? The anointed is the king of God's people. And he says this is to save your anointed. This is, this is the, the Exodus was before there was a king in Israel, yet God had a plan, didn't he? God had a plan that there would be a son of David who would come one day through this people. He said to save your anointed and then to crush the head of the wicked. And this reminds us of Genesis 3. This reminds us of the fall and the promise of the serpent that one day God would crush, he would send his son to crush the head of this serpent to undo the fall. And Habakkuk here ties these things to the Exodus. You see what he's, what he's doing? This is not just remembering this, this one-time moment, but he's, he's remembering the story of redemption. He's remembering that, that God has promised to crush the head of the wicked, and he's chosen his people Israel, and he's promised a Savior will come from Israel to undo the sin and the curse and to save his people. And he's looking back on all of this. He's remembering God's faithfulness in the Exodus, and again, he's, he's remembering it. Why? Because he's praying, God, do it again. You've done it before. You're faithful. Do it again. This remembrance of the story of redemption, this is, this is what we do when we gather. We remember the story of redemption. We remember the acts of God. And we remember something that has superseded the Exodus in its significance. We remember the cross of Christ. 
So, so, so the Lord came in glory and judgment and power in the Exodus, but Jesus came in humility. And he came as a man. He came humbly. He came and he died for our sins. He, and, and, and he suffered for us. This is the mighty act that we remember. But then he rose again and he's ascended on high. So we remember that he's, he's now in glory and one day he's coming again. We remember these things as we gather together. This, this, this is our song of faith. We sing the gospel. We sing redemption. We, we, we do this in the Lord's Supper. We do this in our prayers. We do this in our songs and our preaching. These are the songs of faith we sing. We focus on the story of redemption. We sing songs like, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Man of sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. We are in times of conflict, in times of suffering, times of sorrow, times of confusion, how much do we need to come together with God's people and hear one another sing that song? Recenter our hearts on the redemption that has been accomplished in Jesus Christ as we remember his mighty acts for us. This is what Habakkuk did. This is what we are called to do as we live by faith. Verse 16, it is a song of resolve. Following this remembrance of the Lord's glorious work in the Exodus, suddenly Habakkuk comes back to the present. And we see Habakkuk describing this physical response in his own body. He says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. So what's causing this reaction? What, 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 what sound is he hearing that's causing him to tremble what, what, what is causing this to happen? You know, some commentators say this is his response to the Lord and to this remembrance. He's, he's, he's fearing the Lord. Yet, yet it says, rottenness enters into my bones. It seems like, seems like that the, the fear that's described here is this, is this, is this terrible feeling. It's, 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 it's this, this nightmare coming upon him. And he says at the end of it, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. It seems like Habakkuk now, he's remembered this redemption, but now he looks back to the moment he is in and he, and he sees, like he sees Babylon's coming. They're coming. They're coming with violence. They're coming with, with destruction. They're coming to steal and to destroy and to kill. And, and as I think about what's about to happen, as I think about what we are about to experience, I'm afraid rottenness enters my bones. I tremble at thinking what we are about to undergo. He faces the reality of the judgment head on, what's about to happen. And yet, he says, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon them. God has promised Habakkuk that there is a day when judgment is coming. 
there is a day when Babylon will end. And Babylon's no longer around, are they? That day came on Babylon. Habakkuk lived through the judgment, but he quietly waited for the day to come. And now today, we also are waiting for the day to come, the day of final judgment, the day where the wicked on this earth will be judged and the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. We're waiting for the day of Christ's return. And, you know, church, the the Christians have been waiting for this day for 2,000 years. I was just asking myself this week, why do we keep believing? I mean, 2,000 years, at what point are we going to say he's not coming back? And you know what? You know, one of the things that God uses to keep us believing is songs of faith, gathering together with his people and, and crying out to him that we believe in the resurrection. We believe he's coming again. We believe that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How often have you come to church doubting and left believing because God encouraged your heart and strengthened your heart through songs of faith like it is well. Like the last verse of it as well where we sing, O Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so it is well with my soul. Sing songs like that, church, and we remember, we believe he's coming again. And it gives us resolve. As we sing a song like that, then we, even as we tremble, in this life, for what's about to come, we can quietly wait for the day when that comes true, when our faith will be sight. So we sing songs of resolve that help us know we are, wa- we are awaiting people. We are awaiting people. That is our blessed hope. And church, finally, the song ends with a song of rejoicing. It's a song of rejoicing. These verses we're about to read show the completion of the Lord's work in Habakkuk's heart through this book. The book began with Habakkuk crying out, How long, O Lord? Why, O Lord? You're not hearing me, O Lord. When are you going to save us, O Lord? And it ends with Habakkuk saying, I will rejoice in the Lord. Let's read what he says. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. Produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. You know, verse 17 pictures, he's picturing the utter devastation of the land. He's picturing what's about to happen. It's, it's, it's an agrarian society and an agrarian society for, for the, the produce to fail, for the flocks to be cut off. This was, this was a picture of just complete destruction, a pic- picture of, of everything lost, a picture of utter devastation. A land that was supposed to be flowing with milk and honey, now, now completely barren, completely fruitless. 
what Habakkuk pictures is the worst case scenario coming true. I just want to ask you, church, what is your worst case scenario? Like, what is your, in your life, what is your worst case scenario? What, what is a nightmare for you in this life? Picture that. That, that. That's what Habakkuk's picturing. He's picturing this, this that if the worst happens, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. It's the most counterintuitive conclusion that we could ever imagine, but it's in, it's in picturing this, this worst case scenario. It's in picturing this nightmare coming true that Habakkuk realizes if that nightmare comes true, you know what? I still belong to God. I'm still his. He's still mine. I'm still saved. I still have all this hope. And, 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 and he rejoices in the God of his salvation. He takes joy in the God of his salvation. It's, it's in realizing that if everything else is gone, we still have the Lord. We realize he's all we need. He's all we want. He, it's our fundamental joy, our true desire. And this, this is the essence of faith. The essence of faith is rejoicing in God for his own sake. Rejoicing in the Lord for his own sake, when everything else is lost. This is where Habakkuk ends. And notice, church, the situation has not changed at all. God has not done anything for Habakkuk yet in terms of of deliverance, in terms of salvation. Habakkuk is in the same exact situation he was in at the beginning of the book, yet now he's rejoicing. What's changed? What's changed is his heart. What's changed is God working in him to see that even though all this is still true, now I see, Lord, because of how you've led me in this process of prayer and of waiting and of faith and of perspective and of sinning. Now I see, Lord, that you are all I need, you're all I want, and I have great joy in you. It says, God is my strength. The Lord himself is my strength. He gives this picture of a deer on the heights. And, and the picture is of a deer, not like we see around here in the fields. This is a deer on, cliff, on a cliff on a steep mountain slope, just where, where we might see, wonder, how can that deer do that? How can he not fall? And he says, God enables me to, to walk in these dangerous places. God enables me to walk on the cliffs. God enables me to walk and not fall. The cliffs being everything that's happening in our lives. All, all the nightmare scenarios that, that you are envisioning, God is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God does this in us. We can, we can navigate any suffering in this life because he is our joy. He is our strength. When everything else is stripped away, your job, your house, your family, your health, your freedom, And even at the close of life itself, when all of these things fail, we can still have the Lord himself, both now and forever. And therefore, we can rejoice. One of my favorite hymns is Be Thou My Vision. And the way it ends, hits the nail on the head here, helps us to see the essence of what Habakkuk is calling us to sing. Let's let's sing this together. High King of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall. Still be my vision, O ruler of all.
heart of my own heart. So what is that saying? It's saying that the Lord is our joy. Whatever befall, whatever befall, in the worst case scenario, in the nightmare, the Lord himself is our joy. This is the song of faith that we sing when we come together. And this is the life of faith that we live together. Whatever befall, we put our vision on the Lord. He holds our hearts. He is our joy. He is our strength. Church, pray with honesty. Wait in his word. Place your faith in Christ. Keep perspective of the big picture and then let's sing together week after week after week as we persevere in this faith until he comes again. Let's pray. Father, we